Hello, thanks for joining me in this more than ever series of podcasts that we've put together with some significant leaders at Church at the Mill. Whether you are a part of Church at the Mill and you've been following along in this series or someone has shared this with you due to the content, thank you so much. We appreciate you taking a few minutes to listen to some discussions, some interviews, and then there are times where I, uh, DJ Horton, as the senior pastor, will take just a few minutes to flesh out a, a value, a core belief, a, a vision, peace that we want to make sure that people understand and going to make our best effort at applying that to your life. So whether you are a member of our church, a member of another church, you're new to following Jesus, or you're a leader in another congregation, I hope the next few minutes will be an encouragement to you. One of the, my convictions about vision is that many churches do a great job of expressing their vision verbally in a content scenario like a website, uh, document, print material. In fact, I've often said that you could go to any town in America and pick the 10 largest churches that uh, are conservative evangelical churches and go to their website and you're going to find a lot of the same language about the Great Commission, about the glory of Christ, about loving one another. And uh, all joking aside, it's because we're reading the same book. To me, though, the difference in churches that really accomplish their vision and see the vision of the church become the DNA of the culture is not in how they communicate at one time. It's whether or not it becomes a part of who they are in the pew or the seat. In other words, it really doesn't make a difference if the leader can write, wordsmith, preach, articulate, proclaim a vision if his or her followers don't apply that vision to their own lives. And that's one of the reasons we wanted to take some time just to talk a little deeper into what our vision is at Church of the Mill, because more than ever is a lot of things, but we want it to be a, a spiritual journey alongside the opportunity to encourage generosity. And so for us as a church, we began our existence in 1988, and we've covered the history of our church in previous podcasts. But one of the common denominators uh, of health that I have found in churches like ours is a commitment to the preaching of the Word of God. So one of the new wrinkles or folds in the communication of our vision at Church at the Mill is that we say it this way, we want to be a church that is remarkably healthy, deeply deeply faithful, and highly impactful. And to be a deeply faithful, remarkably healthy, highly impactful, multi-site church, we better clarify what we value. Because ministry and church leadership is not about choosing good over evil. Uh, fortunately, because of God's Word, evil's pretty well identified. Doesn't mean we're not, uh, we're immune to it, but most people in churches like ours, uh, don't wake up every day with a deep desire to do evil. And when we stumble into sin and evil, or when we give in to temptation, the ministry of the Holy Spirit convicts us, and we're not at peace until we repent of that. That's a blessing of God's grace in His righteousness in us. 
But ministry and really church leadership is not about choosing good over evil. It's choosing the best over a lot of good options. And the seat of emotion and the place of cognitive exercise from which you make choices really is at the level of value. You choose the things you value the most. Humans and Christians and Christian leaders can say we value a lot of things, but we almost always craft our behavior around that which is most important to us. And some of this flows rather naturally. I love and have always loved children and young people, Um, but there are six children that I love more than any other children in the world. I value them more because they're mine. And as a father, that grace of parenthood has given me a great love and affection over the children that Lord and I are raising that we call our own. I love the incredible sisters in the faith that I get to serve beside each and every day at Church at the Mill, and over half the church that I pastor are women uh, created in the image of God, and they bring so much value, so much giftedness. But there is one woman in our congregation I value above all others because she is my wife. And so we understand what it means to prioritize a person or a set of personal beliefs over others because of value. This is why I think it's important for churches, especially churches that are attempting something great, something that is exponential, to really drill deep into their values. And we spent some time each week talking about those values. We value the glory of God in worship. We value the legacy of God in the next generation. We value the mission of God to the nations. We value the love of God in community, and we value the growth of God in us. But the very first value that we list is we value the Word of God in preaching, and we complement that value statement with a a sub-sentence, biblical Christ-centered exposition is all we do. And so for a church to say that means that we are marrying ourselves to two very important aspects of our weekly gathering. One, the preaching of God's Word, and two, the preaching of God's Word expositionally. Now, if that's a new term for you, that's okay. Uh, it, It simply means to make the text the center of the preaching event. So, Christians are people of the Word. We have a high view of Scripture. Theologically, we believe that the Bible is God's Word, that it is inspired through the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, moving prophets and apostles to write the words of God, the literal words of God. And we believe that God has preserved His Word through human personalities, through the gift of various languages, there are three primarily in the Bible, Hebrew, Aramaic, and the Koine Greek or Common Greek, the first century, through different cultures, through different contexts, through different genres of literature. This is the beauty of the Bible. In fact, it's really not debated among many professing Christians. One of the bedrocks of professing evangelical Christians is that the Bible is true, and Jesus saves. If you put me in a corner and ask me to describe my faith in two sentences, it would be the Bible is true and Jesus saves. 
Unfortunately, it is the application of that theological conviction that's often lost in the church world in an effort and a desire to be sensitive to those who are not following Jesus or those who are separated from the faith and investigating again the re-engagement of the church or or those who just, quite frankly, are illiterate about the Bible, ignorant about the Bible. There's been a move uh, for the past half century to drive preaching more toward application. It needs to be applicable. You don't want to overwhelm people with names and chapters and verses and theological terms they don't understand. And unfortunately, even though I think a lot of that comes from a place uh, where motives are pure, uh, the results are deadly. I would even go so far as to say the results are damning at times because we know that God chose to communicate His will his glory, his character, through his word. And so Christians historically have been people who loved and relished in the word of God. We we go so far as to say that the word of God is to our soul what bread is to our stomach, that for a follower of Jesus to attempt to follow him without a healthy diet of the word of God is like an athlete attempting to compete on an empty stomach. Uh, It will not last long, and any human who goes malnourished will see every system within their body begin to break down, even to the point that we know people succumb to death through starvation. And so what we find in healthy churches is healthy amounts of healthy doses of God's Word. And when I became pastor 20 years ago at Church at the Mill, there was a whole lot I didn't know, and there's a whole lot I'm still figuring out. But by God's grace, I had received some great theological training and some great mentors and examples to me, and I knew I wanted to build the pastoral ministry at Church at the Mill around the exposition of the Scripture, to literally take books of the Bible and preach through them line by line, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. And the interesting thing about that is the fruit of that weekly preaching ministry uh, certainly doesn't exist because of my gifts or abilities. There are so many gifted pastors and preachers who far exceed what I can do. But what it did prove is that when you feed the people of God the Word of God um, for a period of time, then the, the God of the Word and the God of the people grows his character in them. So maturity in a church is often gauged by whether or not they have a continual, consistent, healthy dose of God's Word in the weekly gathering. Now, the weekly preaching of God's Word can can never replace the personal communion of the saints with the Savior each day. And we know that the Scripture teaches to seek out the Word of God and and to seek out the will of God in prayer. But the weekly gathering of the saints is that special time where under the leadership of the Holy Spirit and the call of God on qualified men who are called out to the office of pastor, overseer, elder, those words are used interchangeably. And one of the primary characteristics and qualifications of an elder is that he be able to teach, and this is not for his own fame or or um, popularity or prominence, but it is because feeding the body the Word of God is 
his primary function. It's not the only function, but it is his primary function because he's not attempting to conform the church to his politics, his personality, his preferences, his own spiritual strengths and weaknesses. Every pastor I know has blind spots, has areas they struggle and areas of great victory. And so church can't be elevating men and then everyone trying to conform to be like them. Though we should emulate our spiritual leaders, uh, the real meat on the bone of spiritual growth comes when the man of God deposits the Word of God into the people of God under the leadership of the Spirit of God to draw them to be more in love with the Son of God in order that they be released and join the mission of God. And so at Church at the Mill, we just decided years ago that week in and week out, a book will be studied, a passage will be central, and the main idea of the preaching event will be driven by the main idea of the passage, which means that in that moment when the church gathers and they've worshiped the Lord through song, and they then prepare to hear from God's word, they're not dependent on a platform, a personality, a position. They're dependent on the word of God, which can be depended upon because the source of it is from none other than God himself. My mentor drove this passage deep into me in seminary, and I think it's one that a lot of expositors find their way back to when Paul is dealing with the Corinthian conflict in 1 Corinthians and then in 2 Corinthians. One of the things he has to do is to go back and define for them what ministry should look like, what his own ministry should look like. His enemies, uh, the false teachers, were attacking his credibility. And, and so he reviews his own ministry in chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians, and he says, When I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in fear and or in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Most modern, weak need, empty preaching is low on actual scripture and high on the wisdom of a particular man. Now, does God give pastors the gift of wisdom? I hope so. I certainly want any pastor in my life that I call upon to be a man of great wisdom and discernment. But in reality, there is no man who is equipped to feed his congregation 40, 50 times a year in the weekly preaching of God's word from the overflow of his own wisdom. Quite honestly, we're just limited in our ability to understand the fullness of who God is from our minds, which is why we value so much the exposition of the Bible in preaching. And one of the things about exposition that's been beneficial for our church is that it produces within our church a real respect and reverence for the Word of God, because for many of them, for the first time in their lives, they see portions of Scripture they would never read on their own unlocked and connected to the bigger story of the character of God. You know, the Bible is not an instruction manual. And unfortunately, that's how it gets used. I'm so thankful for topical studies. I'm thankful for uh, references, and I'm thankful for concordances. I'm thankful that you can type in topics in a web browser and ask for Bible verses, and hundreds of verses can be printed up. That's not a bad thing when you study theology. Uh, 
One of the things you do is you start with a particular doctrine, whether it be the doctrine of the Holy Spirit or the doctrine of salvation or the doctrine of man, and then you survey the totality of Scripture and see what the Scripture teaches. That's called systematic theology. It's a good thing. It's a great exercise. But um, unfortunately, what can happen is, is that people begin to view Jesus as their Savior, and the Bible's just an instructional manual they reference as needed. But when actually uh, we we don't see that at all, the Bible ultimately is God's revelation to us into his character and his story of redemption. We learn so much about ourselves and so much about him through the pages of the Bible that it's impossible to form proper theology without it. It's why translating the Bible into languages for cultures has been one of the chief enterprises of missions over the last centuries. It's why uh, there was a direct relationship between the reformation of the church and the printing press. It's why encouraging people to learn to read was done so by teaching them to read the Bible in virtually every American home as the country was founded. And so Christians um, understand there's a direct relationship between their Bible literacy and their spiritual maturity. Now, that doesn't mean that if you understand the Bible, you love Jesus. There are scholars who are atheists. But when you have Christ living in you, then something supernatural is unlocked in your life when you feed the Spirit of God in you, the Word of God from your Bible. Think about it. When you encounter the Word of God in a sermon, the Spirit of God that inspired the prophet or the apostle to write the passage that your pastor is preaching is the same Spirit that saved and called your pastor and guided his preparation. It's also He's also the same Spirit that lives in you. And so he is able to take the clear teaching and preaching of his Word and illuminate that to your mind not to unlock some Bible code. That's not what the Scripture teaches. The Bible is not meant to be mysterious and only interpreted by a few. No, but to unlock the application of that Word into your life, which is why at our church, we just will not ever move away from opening the Bible, getting into a book, and working through that book line by line, chapter by chapter, passage by passage. And we believe there's a direct relationship between the proclamation of God's Word and our health. And we also know that the healthier we are as a church family, the more impactful we will be. So if we're deeply faithful to the preaching of God's Word, the fruit of that will be spiritual health. It might not always be exponential numerical growth. It certainly won't be that we don't share our um, struggles and our difficult times. We do. But we know that being faithful to the Bible and and the God of the Bible by preaching His Word leads to spiritual health. Spiritual health is what multiplies impact. It's not about drawing crowds. It's about a great work in individual lives. And as individuals are transformed to be more like Christ through Him working in them and the deposit of his word into their minds and hearts through the weekly gathering of the saints, then they become more influential at work, at school, at play. They become more in tune with the mission of God. And so the preaching of God's word produces followers, church members, 
who want to accomplish the mission of God's Word. And therefore, what you find is the numerical growth, the exponential growth, the bold evangelism, the sacrificial giving, the generosity of sharing our tithes and offerings, the desire to see people come to our fellowship to encounter God is is driven not by motivational jargon or gimmicks or momentum or great merchandise. It's driven by the transforming power of the Word of God inside the people of God. And therefore, at Church at the Mill, we value the Word of God in preaching. And this helps us when we think about more than ever. As our church embarks on this spiritual journey, this journey of generosity, this campaign to help us uh, have the resources we need to continue to launch campuses, we are not launching campuses to put video monitors to multiply the ministry of one man, namely my own. In fact, part of our campus model is to reproduce preachers who are deeply committed to preaching the Word of God. And we control this by making sure all of our campus pastors preach the same series, same text, same main ideas under my leadership as senior pastor. This is not to be dictatorial or uh, to be uh, too authoritative. It is to say we know what got us here, so we know what's going to take us into the future. And the campus pastors who preach with me, beside me and under me, they enjoy the journey just as much as I do. And I do believe whether we start a campus or plant a church, we will decide no movement will be made for a public gathering until we are equipped with, blessed by, and ready to put a qualified pastor there who preaches well and preaches faithfully and lives out what he says in his own personal life. And I'm so thankful for that confidence in God's Word. I hope God's Word is making an impact on your life. I hope you understand that if you're a part of Church at the Mill or if you're just listening in, that you will make it a conviction to not only be in God's Word, but find a godly pastor who preaches God's Word verse by verse, line by line, book by book, and makes much of Christ in every passage showing the redemptive story of God, whether he be in the Old or the New Testament, and who is committed to that. Your life will be greatly strengthened by that, and your witness will be empowered through it. Thanks again for joining me on these podcasts. I hope you'll stay tuned for our next installment. And if you missed one of our previous ones, of course, they're available here as well on this more than ever journey from Church at the Mill. I'm DJ Horton, senior pastor and your host, and I hope to see you or hear from you again real soon.